From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me today is Paul Krozak, the senior budget reporter for CQ, to talk about the lack of progress in pursuing a bipartisan deal with the White House on overall spending limits and a growing impatience now in the Senate to get its appropriations moving. Welcome back, Paul. David, thanks for inviting me. Thanks for being here. So this week we expect another meeting between congressional leaders and Trump administration officials to try to reach a deal on new spending caps for fiscal 2020 and possibly fiscal 2021. We don't know if it's going to be a one-year deal or a two-year deal. Paul, what's the main holdup? Well, if history is a guide, it will take until the end of the year to get a deal. The previous three deals took until the end of the year. And obviously, there are, there are efforts to try to get a deal quickly. Because the politics of this thing are just really tough. They are. And there are really a number of things that are um, holding up agreement. Uh, key thing is the defense limit, non-defense limit for 2020. 2021. You have a real partisan impasse there where Democrats want more non-defense spending and Republicans want less, essentially. Yeah, that's right. And another part of that is when you look at the House, House Democrats, House Democrats obviously want higher non-defense domestic spending, but they, they also have a problem in their caucus with high defense spending. There's a lot of opposition in the House among House Democrats, even to the the defense number that uh, House Budget Chairman John Yarmouth came mm-hmm. up with. So there's even problems there with the level of defense that Republicans want, even if Democrats get the level of non-defense they want. And then we heard talk last week that, that this might only be a one-year deal instead of a two-year deal. Where do you think they come down on that? I think ultimately they end up with a two-year deal. The problem with a one-year deal is that Next year is an election year. So let's say they do a one-year deal, and then next year, an election year, President Trump running for re-election, as well as Congress, Senate. They have to come up with, you know, a number, numbers for 2021. And, I mean, you know, a lot of people believe that they would not be able to come up with a deal in an election year. They would end up with a continuing resolution, um, which would be actually – even worse than a continuing resolution, it, you could have the sequester kick back in and have a big cut in spending in 2021. So that could be a nightmare. So they're better off with a two-year deal, although there seem to be some angling here that, that a one-year deal may be all that's possible, right? Right. And one of the problems or challenges of a two-year deal is that this is kind of technical, but the, the spending caps end in 2021. So if they raise the spending caps in 2020 and 2021, the spending caps then are gone, and the Congressional Budget Office, when it estimates the cost of this budget deal, will say that because the caps are gone, spending will rise at the rate of inflation. Bottom line is that the deficit will go up by about $2 trillion over the next 10 years if there is a two-year deal. So it makes it look a a lot like a lot more spending as opposed to just a little more spending with a one-year deal, even though though we all know the spending caps are going to go up and and those costs are going to happen really whether it's a one-year deal or a two-year deal. 
That's not, right. They're not going to do a one-year deal and then suddenly go back to the stringent spending caps for the last year. That's uh, so. right. That's that's probably true. Okay. So meanwhile, this this deal is taking forever. Uh, we don't expect it anytime soon. And the chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee, Richard Shelby, is getting impatient. Right. He is. And, I mean, he's really been pushing for some kind of agreement so that he would have agreed upon House Senate numbers to mark up the, the appropriations bills to. So he's been pushing for that. But the latest thing he said is that if there is not a budget deal by the 4th of July, then he would hope that the Senate would deem numbers after the 4th of July. If we don't have a deal when we get back, I would hope we, we would start moving our appropriations bills based on a rational number. Now, what that means is the, the Senate would pass a resolution saying this is the overall defense limit and this is the overall non-defense limit. And with those numbers, um, Shelby could uh, mark up his appropriations bills. Now, it's worth saying that Shelby could do this even without deeming. You need, you need deemed accepted numbers to bring the bills to the floor in the Senate. Okay, so that would be the Senate going its own way here, saying we're not going to wait around for a bipartisan deal with the House and the White House. Let's just start moving because the House has already started moving. They're, they've got bills coming to the floor now. Well, think about it. The, the House, by the end of this week or by the end of next week, the House presumably will have passed at least nine of the appropriations bills across the well, House if floor. If things go on schedule, they if could. If things yeah. go on schedule, nine bills across the House floor three left, or maybe it ends up being only two left, and the Senate has not even started marking up the bills yet. Right. So they need to play catch-up here. So the Senate is way, way behind. Okay. So they, we may, I expect we'll see Senate bills flowing uh, next month then. Well, you would think so. Now, the question is, you know, what spending limits are they going to use? Now, the, so Shelby has been we believe leaning toward the idea of marking up bills at fiscal 20, 2019 levels with possible cap adjustments, additional money for census and also for the VA Mission Act, VA health care. That means basically holding spending frozen to this year's, which would be a lot less generous than the House bills would be. That's right. And that, that appears to be what Shelby has been leaning toward. But something that they have discussed is fiscal 2019 levels plus some kind of inflationary adjustment, yeah. like 2%, something like that would be much more congenial for Democrats, for Patrick Leahy, the ranking member on the Senate Appropriations Committee. We, we have no reason to think that, that Shelby is leaning toward that, but it has at least been discussed. And we should say, I mean, the, the, the bills that come out of the Republican-controlled Senate here under Shelby are going to look a lot different from these House bills that we've been seeing from the Democrats. Well, they are. Um, so, f first of all, they, w they will not be as generous. They, they, they will spend less on non-defense and probably less on defense as well. And in addition, they will leave out a lot of the riders that are in the House bills. I mean, one of the things that House Democrats are doing now that they're in control, they are uh, writing in provisions to these bills that would basically neutralize a lot of the, the Trump administration's anti-abortion restrictions. Right. And, of course, the Democrat bills have no money for a border wall. Right. So that would be another key point. 
you would expect, certainly expect the, the Senate bills to have money for a border wall, although you, will, you, know, you have Democratic We don't know how much up. money, but I mean, you right. expect them to have something. Well, because Republicans are, are in control in the right. Senate. But the, the other thing in the Senate is that you, you need Democrats to pass bills in the Senate. Right. Um, so you would expect to see some more money for the border wall, but there will be a fight on that in the Senate as well. Okay. And then meanwhile, in the House, they're proceeding full steam ahead here, and they've got a four, four bills of theirs combined into a big bundle on the floor this week, about $985 billion, including some of the biggest bills of the year, defense and labor, health and human services bills. Right. Uh, we expect that to pass, I assume, this week? Yes. It should Fairly non-controversial on the House side? I, I, I mean, simply because Democrats have the votes, right? Well, that's so, the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, not non-controversial. In fact, even though the appropriations committees tend to be pretty bipartisan committees, you basically have had the Republicans voting no on all of these yeah. appropriations bills. So it'll Marco. be a party-line kind of vote, but they can right. ram it through. Right. And why don't House Republicans like these spending bills, Paul? Well, for a number of reasons. Um, one is because they spend too much. Republicans say these bills are spending too much. Number two, various policy provisions in these bills, including the abortion riders, um, including other policies that are you know, Democratic priorities, but Republicans oppose them. Right. And, of course, they want a border wall money. Right. Okay. And speaking of which, on top of all of this this week, Shelby's committee is also going to take up, finally, a separate supplemental funding bill for the border that President Trump had requested over a month ago. Democrats weren't thrilled with it. Where do things stand now? The Senate Appropriations Committee will mark up that bill this week, and uh, Senate Majority Leader McConnell um, has said he is going to put that bill um, on the floor before the 4th of July. So that means next week, basically. The, and this bill will probably track what the President Trump requested, $4.5 billion, with most of that for humanitarian aid, but some for border enforcement. Now, the holdup for that bill has been in the House, where House Democrats have wanted to attach conditions for how this money can be spent. They want to make sure that the money is spent primarily on humanitarian needs and not on, not on border enforcement. Right. That's the key here. That's the key, uh, these conditions. And it's not real clear what the House is going to do. It's a fluid situation over there. But that really will be the sort of the hold up in terms of getting this deal. I mean, there, there, is, there definitely is a desire in the House among a lot of Democrats there to do something about this humanitarian crisis on the border. Yeah, it sounds like everybody now wants humanitarian aid. The, the, the trade-off here is how much will the White House insist on some enforcement money and more detention beds, and how much will Democrats resist that in order to get a bipartisan deal, right? Yeah, exactly. And, Paul, if they actually get a border funding bill passed, do you think that could help uh, with, a, with a bipartisan spending caps agreement? I think it could because it will make President Trump happy, right? And so if he's happy, that may cause him to be a little bit more amenable to the talks over raising the caps. Maybe smooth the way for, for more cooperation down the road. It could. Both Republicans and Democrats have said 
the key to a budget deal is, is getting White House agreement. There is a belief that Republicans and Democrats in the House and Senate, if left to themselves, could reach an agreement, but, but can you get the White House on board? Um, Trump, in his budget, wanted to stick with the spending caps, the sequester spending caps that really drop, that drop $125 billion next year, um, except that Trump wanted to add a lot of war funding to defense to bring defense up. So can you get the White House to agree to a budget deal? I mean, President Trump is opposed to the non-defense domestic spending increases, as we discussed earlier, but he wants a big defense increase. So, And the only way he's going to get that defense increase is if he also raises non-defense. So you would think a budget deal is inevitable at some point. And, and so, again, if Congress passes this uh, border supplemental, that could help smooth the way in these budget deal negotiations. So there's a lot on their plate this week. We'll be keeping our eyes on all of that, and CQ will be covering it all for you, as always. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. Address is cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. My thanks again to Paul Krozak, our senior budget reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, David. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast or find us on Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or you can just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. See you next week.